If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to Hebrews 11. We're going to look uh, at verse 24 and following. title of the message today is, How Can I Have Peace of Mind? By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We live today in a very tense, uptight world. Some call this the age of anxiety. We're all going to face uh, situations which uh, make us irritable and tense and rob us of our peace of mind. There have been two times I was driving down I-4 and a motorhome ran me off the road. Preachers don't cuss, but uh, (laughs) we have uncharitable thoughts. I almost got killed twice. People crowd up behind me in the grocery store. Do they ever do that to you? Do they ever kind of bump you with their buggy? When they do that, I always want to get the little uh, divider, you know, that you put on the belt between your food and the next person's food. I always want to get that little divider and put it behind me in the line so they won't keep bumping me. Our national debt worries all of us. It's going up millions and millions and millions of dollars every day. People are trying to steal our identities. That, of course, is uh, horrendous. The children and grandchildren are moving back in with their parents and their grandparents. Talk about stress. A major cause of heart attacks and high blood pressure is tension and stress. Our government is weakening our military. We need more military, stronger military. We need folks uh, that are willing to put their life on the line. and We need to encourage them and then honor them when they serve because they have kept anarchy from our very door. Every year, over $500 million of tranquilizers are prescribed to drop people into an emotional lower gear. Most tension is really the result of unresolved conflict. If you've had a big argument with somebody in your family or one of your neighbors, things are really going to be tense until you kind of sit down and, and work it out. Moses was a man who learned how to resolve the basic issues of life. And as a result of that, he became a prime example of how to enjoy peace of mind. Because he made the right decisions and settled what is important in life, he was able to assume tremendous responsibility and yet remain calm under pressure. Moses was the greatest man of faith in the Old Testament. In Hebrews 11, if 
you're familiar with that chapter, some call it God's Hall of Fame. There are men and women that are listed that were great, great in their faith. And Moses has more written about him than anybody else. Moses knew how to be at peace with himself and how to enjoy peace of mind. Yet if anybody has a right to be uptight, it was Moses. He had a dream of leading two million Israelites out of the land of Egypt and across the desert and into a far distant land called Israel, the promised land for the people of God. But for nearly the entire time all of that was going on, the people complained, they fussed and cussed and argued and fought. They just didn't have the faith that they needed. And so the Lord let them wander around in the desert for 50 years. And that older generation that had caused so much trouble, they died out. And then the children were allowed to go into the promised land. He had a right to be uptight, but the Bible tells us that Moses was a meek man. It says meek, not weak. Meekness is an attitude of quiet confidence of inner tranquility and of peace of mind. Only two people in the whole Bible were mentioned as being meek. It was Jesus and Moses. Moses was a tremendous man, a tremendous example, a tremendous believer of how to enjoy peace of mind. Why was he able to be at peace with himself? Because Moses was a great man of principle. He lived not by emotions, but by principle. He did not live just by his feelings. Instead, he based his life on God's principles that were so clearly laid out. Moses came to grips with four fundamental issues of life that each of us eventually face. Every one of us in the house this morning faces these four things. If you can learn to settle these issues in your mind, You'll learn what it means to have a real peace of mind. You'll learn how to be calm in a crisis. You'll learn how to be strong under stress. And you'll learn how to be at peace under pressure. When we read Hebrews 11, Moses deals with these four questions. These are four fundamental bedrock issues that all of us need to come to grips with. And every one of these critical issues... Moses responded in the right way. That's why we remember and honor him still in this very hour. The first thing that Moses dealt with in verse 24 is the issue of identity. He settled the issue of who am I? Moses, when he grew up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh earlier had put out a law, a decree, and said that every male child among the Jewish people was to be killed. Every newborn was to die. But his mother was sharp. She realized the only way that she was going to be able to save her son that's what she did. She hid the little baby in a basket in the reeds in the Nile River. And when Pharaoh's daughter came along to take a bath in the Nile, she found out 
that there was this little tar-lined crib floating among the reeds. And she went over to see what was in there, and it was a little Jewish boy. Immediately, she fell in love with the baby and took him home with her and raised him right there in the Egyptian palace. We need to understand, of course, that there was great conflict in Moses' life. He was actually a Jew, but Pharaoh's daughter raised him as an Egyptian. And everybody thought that he was a bona fide Egyptian. Years later, at about the age of 40, he was being groomed to be second in command of all of Egypt. Yet he had to make a choice. What am I going to do with my life? Am I going to be a Jew? Nearly everybody thinks I'm an Egyptian. Moses had every comfort, I mean every comfort, that you could possibly imagine there in the palace. He could have stayed there, but he had an identity crisis. Am I going to live in the, in the fields, in the drainage area? Am I going to do the hard work of the slaves that have been made of my people? Or am I going to stay and live here in luxury in this palace? What would you have done? if you had been there to have to make that decision. If you try to be somebody that you're really not, it's a quick way to an ulcer. Moses recognized this tension. He decided to quit pretending. He accepted his true identity. You can pretend to be somebody else, or you can accept God's plan for your life, who you are really meant to be, from the very first day of your life. How would we remember Moses today if he had stayed in Pharaoh's court? We might have recognized him as an Egyptian mummy in some uh, museum somewhere. That would be the only way. Maybe as a person of no significance, a name of no significance. But he made the hard decision. And in light of eternity, it was the right decision as he took a stand for our Lord. Years ago, Ann Murray came out with a hit song, You Needed Me. There was one phrase in that song that said this, You lifted me up and gave me dignity. That's what Jesus does for each and every one of us that are here today. He lifts us up and he gives us dignity if we decide in life to serve him and to know him, and to walk with him. Jesus sides with the people that are hurting. A little girl was late coming home for supper, and her mama was very worried, and she got a little tense with the little girl and said, Where in the world have you been? And the little girl said, Well, I had to stop and help Janie. She was riding her bicycle, and she fell over, and the bicycle broke, and she was all scraped up. And so I just, uh, I just tried to help her. And the mother said, well, you don't know anything about fixing bicycles. I know that, the little girl said. I just stopped by to help her cry. Many of us don't know anything about fixing bicycles either. And when our friends have fallen and are broken, not their bicycles, but their lives, 
None of us know completely how to fix that. But like the little girl, we can stop along life's way and help them cry. Perhaps that is the best thing that we can do. When we are helping hurting people, we are acting like Jesus. God not only gives us an identity, but he gives us dignity as well. Every person that Jesus dealt with in the New Testament, from the lady that was caught in the very act of adultery, and the leper, and the outcast, all of the people, whether it was any folk at any stage of life, they were accepted and they were loved by our Lord and Savior. There's a second issue that Moses dealt with, the matter of personal responsibility. The Bible says that Moses chose to be mistreated with the rest of God's people rather than to enjoy the sinful pleasures of Pharaoh's court. The Christian life is not a matter of negative rules and negative regulations. It's a matter of relationships with God, with others, and with ourselves. God's way is a very positive way. It's not a condemning way. It's a way where we lift people up and help them at whatever junction of life they find themselves. Notice something else. Moses made his decision when he had grown up in verse 24. When Moses was a baby, it was okay to postpone the decision about who he was. But when he became an adult, he had to decide, who am I? He had a choice to make, to assume responsibility For his own life. The truth of personal responsibility is an unpopular truth in our society today. We live in a culture that loves to blame others and not accept personal responsibility. All of us love to give blame, but we hate to be blamed. It's easy to blame others for our condition. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, I'd really go God's way if my wife would, if my husband would. I'd go God's way. I'd join the church. I'd be active if my husband would or if my wife would. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I'd be a lot better person if I'd have had different parents. (laughs) You ever heard anybody say that? Moses didn't blame anybody else. He assumed the responsibility for his own life. And he decided to make his own life count. It's true, of course, that there are many things in your life over which you have no control. You had no control who your parents were. You had no control over where you were born. You had no control over the genes that make up your body. But there is one thing that you have absolute control over. And that is your responsibility and your response toward life. You can choose to respond toward life in a very negative, critical way, or you can choose to respond toward life in a positive manner of faith. How are you going to respond? It's your choice. You cannot choose all the circumstances that come into your life but you can choose whether those things will make you a bitter person or a better person. If if your responsibility is clear, 
and you take it, then no one uh, can cut you down because you're doing the very best that you can be. No one can ruin your life except you. But what about other people? Uh, don't they do things to us? Yes. But you can choose how you're going to respond to them. A survivor of a German concentration camp said the only thing he learned was that though he could not control what happened to him, he could control how he responded to it. When you assume responsibility for your own attitude, then you start enjoying true peace of mind. Thirdly, there is this third issue that Moses faced. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season in Pharaoh's court, verse 25. He regarded this sacrifice for the sake of God as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Moses faced the issue of priorities. He decided what was really important in his life. From the human standpoint, young Moses had everything. I mean everything. He had ultimate power. He had ultimate pleasure. He had ultimate possessions. Much of the riches of the world at that time were stored in Egypt. Moses had what most every person spends their entire life trying to get. Power, pleasure, and possessions. That's the American dream, isn't it? Of course, it's wrong, but that's the American dream. Yet God asked Moses to do something that was more important than that, and he responded in the affirmative. Because Moses was considered the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was in a position of great power. He could have rationalized, and he could have said, Good night, I don't want to be with those slaves down in the pits. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to be in the grime of this life. The slave situation is terrible. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stay in the system that I'm in, and then I'll work to reform that one. He might have copped out, but he didn't do that. He decided to stand for God. Most people want to be liked in their community, but there's one problem with popularity. It never lasts. You can be big man on campus for a while, but if you come back three years later, nobody will know who you are. Popularity doesn't last. Then there's always pleasure. Is pleasure wrong? No, not if it's done in the right way, not if you don't make it your God. We live in a pleasure-possessed society. Do your own thing. We hear that from every corner. If it feels good, do it. We hear that from every corner. But there's a problem with pleasure too. It doesn't last. Moses rejected temporary pleasures because he, because he had his values right. And he had a vision on something higher than just mere pleasure. There's nothing, nothing inherently wrong with money. Some of the greatest saints of the Bible were extremely wealthy people. Abraham, Job, David, 
extremely wealthy. But the Bible says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. How much money does it take to be happy? Somebody has famously said, a little bit more. Money is to be used, not loved. God wants you to use things and love people. But if you love things, guess what? You're going to begin to use people. Moses had his priorities right. The final issue that Moses settled was the matter of perseverance. You could almost sum up Moses' life in two words in verse 27. He endured. He stayed with it. No matter what happened, all the griping in the desert, all the griping all along his life's way, he endured. It is a fact of life that there is no gain without pain, that there is no advancement without adversity, that there is no progress without problems. Moses made a success of his life because he endured. He stayed with it. The key to his peace of mind was that he knew difficulties were coming his way. He knew that. He accepted that. And he knew how to respond to them correctly and to move on. Without persistence, you won't go very far in life. Peace of mind comes when you accept responsibility for the choices in your life. You choose God's priority, and then you confidently persevere. That formula will work for you. This morning, perhaps there are some in the house that have never trusted and believed in Christ as their Lord and Savior. We want to invite you today to do that. We don't want you to put that off until your deathbed. We want you to enjoy the glorious relationship that you can have with our Savior today. If there's anybody in the house today that has never made a public profession of their faith, I pray that you would take a step toward the Lord, that you would slip out from wherever you're seated and come and take a stand saying, I want to confess my sin and I want to place my trust in my faith in Jesus Christ. Today, if you've been visiting with us for a good period of time and you've been thinking about joining, I hope that you'll come today. I hope that you'll slip out and slip forward and say yes to the Lord Jesus. Say yes to serving Him in this place, making this the base of your operations for the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd love to have you. The doors of the church are open in this very service. I'll be standing down here at the front if the Lord leads you, you just slip out and slip forward and take your stand for him. Let's stand together.